We did a big introduction to the OKRs for the company. We wrote uh, a handbook, how we're going to do it in our ad agency. And basically, we wanted to implement OKRs on every level. So on the board level, management level, and individual employees as well. The first iteration was somehow okay on the board level, not so great on management level, and the disaster on single employee level. After this, we realized that it was maybe a bit too ambitious for starters, and we took a step back. We started to be more lenient on ourselves on how we're going to implement that. So we started to do it gradually. Welcome to Dreams with Deadlines, a podcast by Quantive. We talk about bringing strategy, teams, and data together to drive better business outcomes. I'm your host, Jenny Harold. On this episode of Dreams with Deadlines, I'm joined by Shimon Poroshkevich, the Chief Cheerleading Officer and OKR Shepherd of a successful digital marketing, interactive, and creative agency, Green Parrot, and its spin-off software company, Develtio. Shimon has successfully integrated OKR initiatives into his company's culture, and he has insights to share with us about implementing new systems and processes in a services-oriented workplace. Here are a few of the things we talked about. Juggling objectives in a fluid, client-centric environment. Prioritizing big-picture OKR goals over KPI results. Securing buy-in at every level of the enterprise. Making room for failure and iterating OKRs to fit corporate culture and needs. Shimon also shares where he has seen OKR value add and provides humor, candor, and great advice in our lightning round of signature questions. Let's jump in. Really excited today because our guest is an OKR convert, an advertising creative and a business creator. He calls himself the chief cheerleading officer and OKR shepherd of his company. Welcome to the podcast, Simon. It's nice to have you here. Hello, Jenny. Nice to be invited. All right. Just tell us a bit more about your journey I like origin stories. What's your origin story for how you got to know OKRs and started using them in your businesses? Okay, so by education, I'm a psychologist, so I never had a proper management degree. I was never studying business or anything like that. But I opened it actually my first company while I was still studying. So I'm more of a self-taught guy. And I was running an agency for actually many years without any framework for building goals and objectives. We've been just trying to be innovative with our projects and what we've been proposing to our clients. With time, the ad agency also grew to be some kind of a software production company. And at some point, we spun off the software part. So right now... We are running two companies, actually, ad agency, Green Parrot, and software company, Develtio, that is doing bespoke software for businesses. And at some point, I've realized that we are picking up a lot of initiatives, and we are not very good at selecting which of those initiatives should be pursued in the long term. And that led to time wasted, actually. So I, was, I started to look for some framework for building goals for the company, and I stumbled upon the book by John Doerr. And read the book. And actually, after reading the book, I've decided, okay, this is it. If this is good enough for companies like Google and all those other examples that he gave in the book, it's definitely good enough for our company. I've started to introduce the OKR framework in the ad agency in the first place. 
and then later period we started also in software company and this is how the journey started so that's how we stumbled upon the OKRs and introduced it to the company. Can you talk through how you actually did that introduction? Because that's always interesting to me. I went full hardcore on OKRs. So I was trying to do exactly how it was presented in the book. In the first iteration, we did a big introduction to the OKRs for the company. We wrote a handbook, how we're going to do it in our green, in ad agency. And basically, we wanted to implement OKRs on every level, so on the board level, management level, and individual employees as well. The first iteration was somehow okay on the board level, not so great on management level, and the disaster on single employee level, right? After this, we realized that it was maybe a bit too ambitious for starters, and we took a step back. When we started to be more lenient on ourselves on how we're going to implement that, so we started to do it gradually and this was a few years ago, I believe, like three years ago, probably, something like that. Maybe even oh yeah, around three years ago, I believe. And we are using it until now, and it helps us every day. So I believe that we managed to find our way with OKRs. But doing it by the design from A to Z, how it was described in the book, that was a bit of a challenge for us in the first place. And actually, with time, I realized that we don't have to implement it the same way as it was described. So we, you can pick and choose what you're actually needed, needing the most. And that's how we roll with OKRs right now. Talk us through exactly how you apply OKRs at your organization. Maybe we can talk about the ad agency since that's been working with OKRs the longest. Can you walk us through the adaptations that you've made? So as you said, there's a buy to book way. And then you decided maybe we don't have to adopt all of those things. Can you talk us through the nuance? Yeah, sure. I don't remember actually everything that was in the book because last time I read it more than once, but last time was probably like two years ago, something like that. But what, how we are doing it is this. Every quarter we are having a meetup of the board and we are deciding what are the most important priorities and objectives for the company as a whole. And we are thinking about the next quarter, but we are thinking about this quarter in the context of year and basically in the whole mission of the company, which is to help people to develop their businesses with the help of marketing and technology and marketing technologies. So we are looking at our company through the lens of this mission and the next year. And then we are thinking, what can we do to achieve this mission within the next three months? We are setting up, me and my partner, we are setting up the main objectives for the company for a given quarter. And then we are explaining them and giving them to our managers. And they are taking it from there. And they are creating their OKRs for themselves and for their teams. We are not going to the level of single employee. So if you are the individual contributor in ad agency or in software house, in our software company, it works actually the same. If you are an individual contributor, you don't have your own objectives and key results, you've got the objectives and key results of your team. Usually it's a small team of, let's say, five, six, seven people. And those managers are setting objectives and key results with their teams, and they are presenting them to us as board to, to check if the alignment of their ideas is proper with what we decided that it's important for the next quarter. This is the way how we set up the objectives for the next three months. And then in ad agency, we're doing it once a week, once every two weeks. In software company, we are talking about it every two, three weeks. 
We are having a meeting and we are working with just Google Spreadsheet. Our OKRs and progress that we are monitoring is just marked in Google Spreadsheet. Every two or three weeks, we are going through the spreadsheet and checking what kind of progress did we manage to make the last two weeks, for example. If something is, and we are doing percentage progress from zero to 100, of course, and using colors to mark which initiatives, which objectives or key results are actually falling behind and we need to focus on them, or maybe we've got to change something with them and which are going in the right direction and we are happy with it. We are not completely closed, for example, for the option of changing the OKRs within a quarter. Maybe not even changing. It's more like dropping them. Yeah, I think that would be helpful. So let's say you're going through a cycle. How do you evaluate if a key result should be abandoned or demoted? As an ad agency, we are highly tech-focused agency. It's probably because we always have something to do with software and most of our work in digital advertising, we are working in a very dynamic environment. So things are changing massively from month to month, sometimes even. Right now, what we can follow on Twitter, for example, concerning AI. The running joke is that last week was a very interesting year in AI. Within a week, you can have amount of changes that used to take years. It was always a little bit like this in online advertising and basically in tech. So sometimes we are seeing that something new happened on the market on some new tools were built that basically make some of our ideas or initiatives a bit obsolete. So for example, if, or even some things like changes in Google search algorithm, right? For example, we are building some kind of objective for search engine optimization. It might be actually changed in the middle of the month. It wasn't planned and we've got to adapt to the to those changes on the market, to the changes that our partners are introducing, or sometimes to the changes that our clients are introducing. Because in the end, we are a service business. So this probably makes our OKRs implementation different from what most of tech companies, because this is, I think it's most popular in tech businesses, right? software as a service companies and so on. They can be probably, although I'm not saying that they don't have to adapt, they've got the amount of innovation that they have to do is tremendous. They can probably plan for three, six months ahead. We are also doing that, but I would guess that we have more changes during those months that they might experience. So sometimes we just decided that, okay, this objective is actually not very valuable anymore. So just drop it. And sometimes we realize that we were usually too optimistic about something. So we said that, okay, we want to gain, I don't know, 10,000 unique users for this specific, I don't know, landing page, for example, for our website, or we want to introduce some new feature to our client's website or his application. And we see that we really overblown a little bit the metric that we want like to achieve with that project. And sometimes it's obvious after a one month or two. So in this kind of situation, we are making a meeting and we are talking, okay, what happened? Why did we guesstimate this metric to be much easier to get? And actually we're having these problems. Is there any solution that we can apply to actually achieve it? Or we've got to stop this objective or change it during this OKR cycle. When we see that we just cannot achieve something because we've been too optimistic, we are really trying to actually think if there is any other way, can we apply more resources, more money, more time, more people to this particular objective to actually achieve it? And if the answer is that it would be irrational to apply, for example, I don't don't know, let's make the budget five times bigger, for example, to achieve this. If it's not rational, we are dropping this kind of objective. Talk us through 
how it is that you approach OKRs, given that you're a service business, because a lot of times clients demand certain outcomes. How do you map your OKRs to make sure that your clients are satisfied, but you're also meeting the objectives for the business? How do you negotiate or balance this? Probably it's not like a hardcore 100% rule, but we are trying not to create OKRs that are clients' projects. Most of our OKRs are, for example, focused on quality. So, for example, let's boost the net promoter score in the company by this percentage in this quarter. So this is something that you can apply across the whole company, not only one client, right? It's not connected with one client, but, for example, with the score of quality in the whole company. For example, the OKRs in service business that ad agency is can be like introduce new ways of advertising, new features, train the team in this particular skill. So those are mostly the things that we are trying to set as our objectives. What we are doing in the projects, those are the objectives of the projects, but they are not explicitly put into our company OKRs. It's not that, for example, we are communicating with our clients using OKRs methodology. With them, we are using simple KPIs like, I don't know, sales, revenue, unique users, or amount of features delivered on time in terms of software projects. But OKRs are something for our internal use, and we are not actually mixing our clients' objectives with the objectives of our company. It's a bit separated. Sometimes we do put one of the client's objectives as our objective, if it's something very important and we know that achieving this particular thing for a client will also change something important in the company itself, in the ad agency, for example. It's probably even easier in the value in our software company, because, for example, some feature that is being developed for the client might be a part of our like re- already made plugins or pieces of code that we can reuse in the future for our different clients, right? This is more common in software business than in ad agency, I would say. That's the way how we deal with this situation that we are a service business, actually, and most of our work is done on the client side. This was actually never a problem for us because we've been always client-centric. So doing good things for our clients, it was always easy. But we've been forgetting about doing good things also for the company itself to actually build the business. You had mentioned that when you had first rolled this out at the ad agency, that you started with the board level, then you did the management team level, and then you went down to the individual level. But you said it was a fail as you went to the individual level. Can you talk about why it wasn't a success as you had thought in the initial stages? I think that the most important factor in this is probably the fact that as we are a service company, most of those individual contributors are working on the client's projects. So their focus was on providing maximum value to the client. And for every individual contributor, adding another layer of objectives might be even creating a conflict of interest, right? I've got, this is my client's list. Let's say you're working in media department when you're buying media for the clients. So I've got, I don't know, three or four clients and I've got to distribute my time and effort for those clients. And then I've got this. This, those new objectives that I got like last week, last month, they seem important, but actually what is more important? So individual employees, I believe, needed more guidance. And this is why we introduced this solution that there is no individual contributor OKRs in the company. There are team OKRs and the manager of the group of people is collectively with them deciding how they will pursue in the given time period 
the objectives that are not only client focused, but also help to grow their company, help to develop their skills, knowledge, and so on. You mentioned that you manage KPIs for each of, let's say, the projects that you're working on, like simple ones that you can relate back to the people that you work with. Do you have KPIs for the business as well that you focus on in any given year? How do you decide what should be a KPI to focus on what are OKRs? A lot of people have questions about the difference. What does that look like for you as a founder CEO? The thing with OKRs is that I think that also in the book it's written that, for example, revenue of the company shouldn't be the objective used in the objective and key results framework. So, for example, revenue, it's not a good objective. And I fully agree when we've been trying to just as an experiment to make this actually the other way around that why not? Maybe we should try. Maybe we are different. We are a service company after all. Maybe revenue would be a very good objective in the objective and key results framework. If you introduce this kind of KPI, this kind of metric as one of the objectives, it's up everything else in objectives and results. In our environment, actually, it's better to keep the, for example, the revenue. And revenue is actually one of our KPIs that we always stick with. The other one is costs. We are super simple at the front. And the thing that we are looking a lot at is how much revenue per employee we can generate in ad agency and actually in the software business as well. But if you introduce metrics like revenue or costs into objectives, costs are easier to introduce them to objective and key results. But revenue is definitely something that is eating so much attention of people that they can, they might have problems with pursuing the objectives that are also important, but not fully connected with what will be the bottom line of the next month for this quarter. We are informing and we are saying to the employees, for example, for this year, we want to grow the revenue by 40% to this level. This is our yearly objective, like yearly KPI, but we are not evangelizing and we are not crazy about following it through every OKR cycle. It's something that is a little bit on the side. And we know that if we will set up the OKRs correctly, this will influence the outcomes of the company in a way that on top of that, we'll get this revenue that we want. It's a bit like with happiness. They say that you cannot pursue happiness because you will never actually get to it. You've got to pursue, I don't know, being fit, being smart, having good relationships. And happiness is something like a byproduct of this process, right? So I believe it's a bit like, like that with some KPIs. They are byproduct of well-executed objective and key results. Would you recommend other servicing consultancy businesses to use OKRs too? Why yes or no? Yes, I would recommend. The downside is simple. You've got to spend time on it. It's not for free. You've got to invest time and effort into teaching people how to use this framework and actually for them to buy in into this whole OKR thing. So this is the downside. You will pour resources into that. The good thing is that in company like ours, the biggest boost, the biggest advantage of OKRs that we are experiencing is that we are not wasting our resources, meaning time, money, staff, and so on. Because we used to pursue a lot of different initiatives, a lot of different ideas. People in ad agencies and basically in most of the consultancies that I can think of are usually very creative people that they're having 5,000 ideas per month and they would be super happy to try to pursue all of them. And this is, of course, the best recipe for a huge and very costly failure. And we experienced a fair part of them. 
So OKRs are helping us select the initiatives and ideas that are actually worth pursuing and doing it in an organized manner. So if you are struggling with this kind of problem, and I believe that most of, for example, consultancies are experiencing this problem, I think it's wise to try OKRs. We're going to take a short break. You are listening to Dreams with Deadlines, the podcast that brings you real stories of trials and victories in business, brought to you by Quantive. Quantive is a strategy execution platform that helps organizations create greater strategic agility and excel at execution. With more than 2,000 customers, Quantive helps companies close the gap between strategy and execution to achieve their best possible. And now, back to the show. You had mentioned that it's important to get buy-in. Did you ever meet any resistance from your team? If yes, like how did you help overcome the feedback that you were receiving? There is only one way to overcome this in the end that works with everybody. Do one, two, three iterations of OKRs. And most of the people will understand at some point that this is investment of time that is actually helping them. There is, I don't believe that there is a very good way to actually convince people to do something until they are actually experiencing the benefits from doing that. If somebody is very reluctant to do that, just try to push him, tell him that you've got to trust me on that. Of course, you've got to have some modicum of trust with your people for that, that, that's for sure. But it's hard to explain. And after a while, people are just coming and saying, actually, those few hours a month that we are committing to monitoring the objectives, to setting them up, to thinking about them. This gave me this amount of savings, this amount of revenue. People are happier. So basically, this is something that is defending itself after people will do it. So I believe as a business leader, you can just expect from your team to to try it and experiment with it as long as most of the people will be convinced. And then new people that are joining your team or basically new people are entering the situation in which this methodology is already implemented. So they are just adapting to the new workplace. So I believe that the first two or three iterations of OKRs are tough. It's okay to make mistakes. Tell it to people that we will make a ton of mistakes. We probably won't deliver most of the OKRs. Still, we've got to try. It's not that it's we'll do mistakes and let's not care about them. We'll have to talk about them. We've got to explain why we actually made them and so on. But uh, you shouldn't be very stressed about first two, three iterations. And at some point it will click with, I think, almost everybody. Talk me through that moment, two, three iterations in when you saw it click and people were starting to understand that it was valuable. Can you describe? That was super funny, actually. Yeah, share the story. I love stories. Yeah, so that was funny because like with every change, you've got people who are very interested in new things and they will go just to check them out for the pure pleasure of experiencing something new and experimenting with something new. And there are people who like stability and not to change anything in the work environment and in life itself. But the coolest thing is after this free iteration, so in our case, it was almost a year, it was nine months. So some people were getting angry in the process that we are committing so much time to that. I cannot see that this is actually translating into my work being easier and so on. And the funny thing is that after third iteration, those voices were silenced. And in the end of four, so after a full year, 
people who were those who were the biggest critics of it were actually first to try to plan the New Year's objectives and key results because they were accustomed to it because it's nine months on the other hand. And they saw the effects that they got with it, that they saw that, for example, it's easier to communicate with their teams, right? Because if you are talking about some specific thing for one month, second month, third month, at some point, everybody's on the same page and everybody understands why the company is doing is what it's doing. Usually the critics are big proponents after they take a lot of time, but it's like the two sides of the same card, right? So people who are very eager to try new things, after a while, they will be bored with this methodology. For example, I'm like a bit like that. So I would be glad to look for something new, but I know it's stupid. We've got to stick with what works right now. I can read some new books, some articles on management and so on, try to learn something new, but we just finished to implementing something that actually works and everybody likes it. So I probably should hold my courses on implementing anything new. And there are people who were the last to, to join the proponents of the solution in the company. And those are actually usually the biggest proponents in the end, in my opinion. The short answer is give people time. Give people time to experiment with it, to adapt to it, and people will like it because it introduces clarity and order to organization, which service companies, I believe, lack even more than product companies. Oh, wow. That's saying something. When you wrap up a quarter, how do you go through that reflection reset and looking at your OKRs? Do you do anything in terms of capturing learnings? or even celebrating wins? What does that look like for your businesses? We are not celebrating wins enough, that's for sure. And all, this is also probably a part of my personality that I'm not very happy with what was already achieved and I'm already eager to go somewhere else and do more things. So probably we should celebrate wins a bit more. It's not that we are not talking about it at all, we do. We are trying to check which objectives were a bit too easy to achieve. This is something that I'm very big on. So if something was done, I don't know, three, 400%, which sometimes happens, in those cases we are thinking, okay, why did we so underappreciate what can we achieve on this metric and how can we evaluate it? Is it really such a big success or maybe the objective was badly stated from the beginning? We are basically analyzing what happened and trying to, maybe the thing that is worth mentioning is what we do with objectives that weren't, that we didn't manage to achieve. So we are basically trying to think what were the reasons for this objective not being achieved. And usually we are putting it as a OKR for the next, for the next period, unless there is something that changed in the market, changed in the company. Maybe there is some new solution that we've got to take into account. Maybe some new tool that is making the objective obsolete or hard to achieve. And then we are dropping it. But mostly the things that we didn't manage to achieve, we are trying to push to another iteration and build on that. Another thing worth mentioning is that we are trying to make a town hall meeting for the whole company and to present which objectives we were able to achieve in the last period, what went well, what didn't. So this is something that we do to sum it up and to present to people what, what actually happened. So what I think is really interesting is it sounds like you really tried to center a lot of your conversations around 
your OKRs from the team level, the management level, the board level, the company-wide level. If you were to say what the major gains, you've mentioned a few, can you describe what your business was like before OKR adoption and the difference that OKRs meant for your business today? I would say the biggest long-term obvious benefit of introducing OKRs is savings because we are not doing stupid stuff. We are not starting 10 different initiatives. I'm talking about it a lot because I truly believe that this is the biggest problem in businesses like ours. We are not starting 10 different products because we are also developing, for example, internal products. Those usually are not big things, but nevertheless, the time of developers, time of good graphic designers, UI designers, this is expensive stuff. If you are wasting those resources, you are paying dearly for that. The most important thing, in my opinion, and the biggest benefit from OKRs for consultancy businesses is savings because you are more focused. Focus is the biggest benefit of introducing OKRs. And we can talk about this benefit on different levels because it also allows, if you are hiring new people, you are showing them, for example, the history of what the company was doing in terms of objectives, and they can understand what was the pathway that got us where we are for the last, let's say, a year. It's easier to communicate objectives and the specific position in the company, especially for new people. You are growing, hiring new people. If you've got described OKRs, formulated objectives and key results, you can easily explain to new people that what will be their goal, why is it working like it is working, and how he can actually be a part of the setting the goals for the next period in his position and so on. Also, it's easier for everybody in company to understand what is most important thing in a current period of time. So there are times that we are more focused on improving the quality of service. Well, there are times that we are more focused, for example, on training new skills or coming up with new solutions for our clients. There are times that we are, for example, on a strong recruitment drive. So this lets everybody in the company understand why the managers, why the board and people around them, why they are doing what they are doing current period of time. So those are, I think, the, but the biggest, definitely the biggest benefit for us was focus and savings that are coming from focused organization that is executing or actually the important things, not things that are interesting to somebody at some point. I know you mentioned it's just not in your personality to reflect and necessarily celebrate the things that you've done well. But if you were to reflect on the years that you've been working with OKRs, is there a particular moment where you were surprised and maybe even delighted that you had achieved a certain thing? Can you tell us a bit about that story, what you set out to achieve, what happened, yeah, and what that meant for the business? Maybe when we've been introducing a new CRM system, and we had people who, actually one person who was very reluctant to actively use it every day because CRM system is as good as data you input into that system. So if you're not having a up-to-date, correct and specific data, it's useless. This is an example of what we are using OKR for. So we've, we had an objective that every day, this amount of information should be applied to new CRM system we described why it was important and so on. 
And that was the point that we had some people who were opposing this kind of daily routine task. But through the monitoring of those objectives and showing them that those key results are translating to some bigger objective that is letting us to, for example, get better sales funnels. At some point, this person is actually said that it was the best idea that we introduced in the last period of time and was one of the biggest like champions of a new CRM system. And I believe that it was due to the way we are introducing it through the OKRs that we've been monitoring it in a way and so on. It's actually hard for me to come up with something like specific one thing that I was super happy that we, this thing wouldn't happen without, without OKRs. It's for me, OKRs, it's much glob, more global thing that is helping in a way in many different places. It's not like one result that makes it worthwhile. It's 150 results that are actually translating into big value in the end. So really it's about you're operating differently and because of a different operating model, you're able to achieve better results overall. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. We're going to go into quick fire questions. This has been very helpful. As you know, the name of the podcast is Dreams with Dreadlines. I'm going to ask you the question, what is your dream with the deadline? I don't actually have one like big dream with some deadline attached to it. I'm looking at, at my work and actually my life as a system. So I'm trying to build a system in which I'm pursuing in a systemic, organized way, a lot of different things that, and I know that I will fail at some of them, but even I'm trying to build it in a way that even if I fail, the outcome of the failure is interesting enough to make it worthwhile to strive for it. This is my overall approach to life. So I'm thinking more in terms of system of life that I would like to have. So living in a particular place on earth, having family, having a work that I fully enjoy, that I don't feel like working. So those are the like things that are most important for me, actually. In terms of more, maybe I wouldn't call it even dream. It's something that we are trying to achieve right now is due to the fact that we see that what is happening with AI and how much of our creative and marketing and basically white collar jobs will be automated by AI. We are thinking about how we can apply those changes to ad agency model. So we are right now, we are building more of a platform for hiring top talent in marketing fields for different specializations. We call it if artificial intelligence is going to take our jobs in quotes, we are calling it human intelligence <laughs> on the contrary. So we are trying to provide a platform to people that they will be able to hire best freelancers and best marketing talent on demand. And we are trying to connect this service with great in-house team of marketing professionals in our agency to provide like bigger value to our clients. So this is something that we are right now trying to build. We're also building a software platform to facilitate this whole process. So this is like the big goal that we are striving for right now. That is more concrete. Yeah, that's what I would call my, my biggest dream with deadline right now. To deliver this platform to our clients, we are already servicing people, but it's mostly using no-code and low-code solution right now. We are building our own software for that. When we finish this, that would be the big point on the roadmap to delivering this new solution. It sounds like you are the type of person that would continually improve and try to evolve things so that they can be better over time. What would you say might be the next evolution of your OKR program? 
as I said, I'm a little bit bored with how we do OKRs right now. But I know that it's not a sign of our company needing any changes. It's just my personality. So I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is actually not to change and not to overthink how we should evolve our OKRs, OKR process. We, I think that we are in a good place with that. And for the next year, at least, I hope I won't change anything and I, I'm not planning to. I don't have any, anything interesting to say about how it might change. Maybe what would be interesting is to change the tooling for setting and monitoring OKRs to some software that is doing it. As I said, we are using just Google Spreadsheet right now for that. The tool might be changed, but the process itself, I think it's fine. What would you provide as advice if you were to talk to your former self who just started out with OKRs? Actually, I, I like my mistakes that I did. I usually think that I wouldn't be where I am if, without mistakes. And I don't consider that I'm in a bad place, in a rather good place. So I think that I appreciate my mistakes and the learnings that we got from them. And our team mistakes are also necessary in this process. So I'm not sure if I would be actually advising on maybe not to stress out so much in the beginning. That, because actually I was pushing it a bit maybe too hard. So maybe I'll advise myself not to worry too much, but on the other hand, maybe if I wouldn't worry too much, the results wouldn't be so good. So I'm not sure if I would change anything. This kind of hypothetical question is rather a bit hard for me. Probably not to worry so much. That would be my advice. What would you say is the book that largely shaped the way that you think? In terms of OKRs, the, the, that's a no brainer. It's a book by John Doerr, Measure What Matters. But I think that uh, one of the books that influenced my thinking a lot was something that I read when I was years ago, when I was still studying, maybe even in high school. And it was a book by Tim Ferriss for our work week. Probably you know of Tim Ferriss, but I don't know if people read his, it, I believe it was his first book, the one that made him famous. So the book was, the title is super cheesy, but actually it seems that it was appealing to a younger Simon. So this book was very influential on me because I realized that through this book that it's not actually the amount of hours you'll commit to your work and pure effort that will provide you with results. It's how you apply those hours, how you, how you design what you want to work on. And probably that was the book that actually made me an entrepreneur. So I believe that this is actually the most influential book. Maybe definitely not the best book I've read, but probably one of the most influential ones. That's awesome. You'd mentioned that you had made quite a few mistakes being a leader, a business owner. If you could name, let's say three of the ones that you are like, yep, I did that. Definitely the mistake I did was not putting enough effort in producing our own products, like software products. So we should work right now, for example, we are developing the platform I told you about. We did our own product in the software company, which is called Revelgio, that helps to manage cash flows in project-based businesses. So those are the things that we are just starting doing, started doing like around three years ago, two years ago. And right now we can enjoy the first results and benefits from, from having our own proprietary products. So this is something that I should be doing much earlier. Oh, I know it's the biggest mistake. I don't know if this is the same also in English, but I'm from Poland. In Poland, we've got saying that the shoemaker is walking without shoes because uh, he's so focused on doing shoes for other people. 
So we did that mistake with our marketing. We were very bad marketers of our own work. So we've, we haven't been promoting our own company enough for a while, but this actually also changed. Right now, we're having a very popular newsletter in Poland that is subscribed by, I believe, 18,000 people right now. We are actually kind of well-planned and executed marketing budget for our own projects that are promoting both ad agency and company. Those were the things that we completely ignored for a while. We had clients from word of mouth and that was our own channel almost. When we changed that, it helped us greatly and we are planning to invest in those fields more. So I would say that those were two very important mistakes that we did. And, but I think we are fixing them right now. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. I appreciate it. And all the insights you've brought to the show today. I really appreciated you having been a guest on Dreams of Deadline, Simon. Thanks. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you, Jenny. That's it for this episode. Dreams with Deadlines is produced by Quantive. You can find show notes and transcripts on our website, quantive.com slash resources slash podcasts. If you have a specific question, email us at dreamswithdeadlines at quantive.com and your question might be answered on the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.